You are not going to believe this. A Monday episode of the Locked On Wolverines podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. And yeah, we're going to do it on Monday. And we have a special guest. And it's going to be out in the afternoon. Insane. All insane things. But that's where we're at today. So I am excited to bring on a special guest from Pro Football Focus, the director of content there, uh, the assistant director of content, or associate director of content, rather, Austin Gale, uh, who is going to talk about some of the advanced evaluations of uh, of Michigan players, some of the things that he's seen from the Wolverines, where he sees um, where Michigan can get better. Uh, and uh, some of those standout players in his eyes, the guys that are going to be draftable and all of that, as well as some of the past evaluations. So we will talk to Austin here momentarily. Uh, I want to discuss Juwan Howard, a lot of stuff going on this morning, uh, some reports, a Woj bomb, and a quick refutation of said Woj bomb. We will get to that at the end. We're going to start out discussing who may we never see in a Michigan uniform again, because there's already two. Jalen Mayfield is gone. Ambry Thomas is gone. Are there others? This is not the type of thing that I like to put into print, so I haven't written anything like this because I don't like it. But to talk about it, I feel like that's a different story. We can speculate and talk all we want. So that's exactly what we're going to do. Um, first, of all, let's talk about the impact about Jalen Mayfield. And Amber Thomas, we discussed it a little bit on the mailbag on Thursday, or I guess it was technically Friday morning by the time that I released that podcast. Uh, I mean, both are huge losses because both were at positions where you lost somebody or multiple somebodies, and both were guys where you're like, okay, good, you know, the the, the least you have this anchor here between Mayfield. And Ambry Thomas. And, you know, now that Mayfield's gone, I mean, if I was to, and I was asked this on Friday by Dennis Fithian on the M zone, if I was to pick a starting five, now I don't know where Andrew Stuber falls in. Because before I was saying Andrew Stuber, right guard instead of right tackle. Now I'm not 100% sure. But let's say for hypotheticals, I'm going to keep him at right guard. So my starting five now would be Ryan, left to right. Ryan Hayes, Chuck Filiaga, Zach Carpenter, Andrew Stuber, Trevor Keegan. Now, I think I wouldn't be surprised if there's that right tackle battle between Stuber and Trevor Keegan. And you still have Carson Barnhart out there. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Nolan Rumbler got involved. And hey, I mean, you've by the time Michigan takes the field, Zach Zinter will have been on campus for at least a year at that point. So whether it's a January season or if we have to wait until next fall. So, uh, but I, I, while that is not great because you have basically no returning experience, again, this is the thing that I keep on going back to with the offensive line. There is one position group at, at Michigan that I am basically like, you know what? I do not have any qualms about what Ed Warner's doing. Like, I may there be growing pains in the first couple games? Absolutely. But 
Ed Warner has a track record of really developing players. And especially when you have, yeah, you lose experience, but you have guys who have been on campus for all at least a year. In some cases, it'll be a year and a half, maybe two years, uh, you know, taking part in that, then that, then you, you know, you're going to feel good. Zordich is kind of the same, but it's a little bit of a different animal because you were thinking like, all right, you've got Ambry and then you're going to bring along either Vincent Gray or DJ Turner. Maybe they'll platoon the way that we've seen Don Brown's defenses with Mike Zordich kind of do at the cornerback position. Now you don't have that luxury. Now you're probably looking at a DJ Turner, Vincent Gray backfield, uh, whether uh, one of the Green Twins gets involved, Jalen Perry. Uh, I feel like Andre Selden is destined to start at nickelback. Uh, that you're starting to kind of work some things out there where it's it's a little bit more dicey because you really don't have great experience. Looking at pro football focus, uh, I mean, Vincent Gray, as much as Michigan loves him, he did not grade out great uh, for uh, according to that site, uh, which I you know I hold them in such high regard. That's not something that you want to see. So that's uh that's not great. But at the same time, it was his first real year of playing college football. Get him involved. I mean, plus he's got size, which is something that you can't teach. Now, as far as the others, this is where it's there's a long list of guys that we might see the end of. Uh so I'll go through go kind of go through off the top of my head who I'm thinking of. I would say that if I was to bet on whether or not this guy would play or not, I would bet against it, and that's Pay. Pay was on the verge of going to the NFL last year after the season and opted to come back. I can't imagine that he's going to come back, especially considering that we're starting to see – we saw actually pro football focus – they had a, a first-round mock draft. They put him at number 14 overall. Now, you'll hear from Austin his opinion on Quiddy here momentarily, but, I mean, I feel like his time at Wolverine is probably done. And, I mean, we, we just got to wait and see. Then there's the the two that made later announcements as well. Uh, one before the bowl game, one after the bowl game, uh, and Nick Eubanks and Nico Collins. I feel like a lot depends on it. If, if there's that winter season, the draft is pushed back. I would, I, I, it's just a feeling I have. I don't have any inside intel on those two guys, but I would imagine that they kind of need to come back. I think like Nico very well would be a, a, a top three round pick regardless, but I feel like he's trying to secure the bag and I feel like he needs that, that next year. And he wants that last year as a Wolverine. Eubanks, I feel like is less certain. I think he could be an excellent NFL prospect, but I feel like he needs to show something on the, blocking front that's been kind of his thing i asked him about it when we had him last week and he didn't answer that part 
because uh, I asked him a two-part question. He just ignored that part. But that he's been pretty open. Hey, I need to get better at blocking. So I think that that's probably I, – I would I would imagine those guys would come back. Aiden Hutchinson, I, again, no inside information here. But, like, I keep on seeing, like, he could go play somewhere else or, you know, he's going to leave early. And, I mean, he might very well have an eye on the NFL. I still just kind of feel like like a guy like Jake Butt, except for Jake Butt wasn't a legacy. But more I got, and neither was Jordan Lewis. I just, and I felt like those guys were guys that could have been drafted if they would have left after their junior year. To me, it just feels like Aiden Hutchinson is a guy that's going to stay. It just feels like that to me. Chris Evans, I feel, absolutely needs to come back because, I mean, he already missed a year of football. I think he has to prove that he's back in it before he can do anything. But then you start getting into some other interesting guys. Cam McGrone had one year. And you might sit there and say, well, he had one year. You know, he used to show more. I mean, Jalen Mayfield only had one year. I feel like Cam McGrone very well. And again, speculating here. No, no one said anything to me, but if there isn't a winter season, like I, I feel like McGrone would play if there's a winter season, but if there's not, is there a chance he could move on? I think absolutely. Brad Hawkins is a guy I feel like is going to stay. Um, And I feel like that kind of encapsulates... Pretty much everybody. Ronnie Bell, but I feel like Ronnie Bell, again, he has something to prove. So I think that's uh, that's some interesting stuff to think about. But let's talk about what is, what was, getting into the advanced analytics of it all. With Austin Gale, for the associate director from Pro Football Focus, one of my absolute favorite sites, and even more so now that they've launched a new product. But before we do, let's talk about Rock Auto. Forgot to tell you this episode has been brought to you by Rock Auto. But uh, anyway, y'all know how much I absolutely love Rock Auto. It's something that I have used over the course of several years. When I had a Cadillac that just loved to break down, it was as if that was its favorite thing. I was just constantly on Rock Auto and using, using their site to to be able to buy parts significantly lower than going to a retail store. Listen, rockauto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts uh, customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Uh, Or you can get timing belts like I had to do for my uh, my Cadillac, which engine just hated working. Um. you, whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right in, locked on, and their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. 
All right, as promised, we have an awesome, fantastic special guest for you today on this rare Monday Locked on Wolverines episode. Didn't used to be rare, but it's been rare uh, for the last, uh, I don't know, since football was a thing. But we're going to talk some football because we have an awesome guest, like I just said. We bring in Austin Gale, who is Pro Football Focus's Associate Director of Content and uh, and as anyone who reads Wolverine's Wire knows, I am a giant fan of Pro Football Focus. I feel like I'm writing at least one article, if not more, a week based off of some of the things that they've put together with their advanced analytics and their keen eye for what's going on in college football uh, and pro football. So, Austin, thanks for joining us. Super excited to kind of delve in a little bit to what you see with the University of Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you uh, bringing me on, man. I'm super excited, you know, to jump on this podcast. I think Michigan, you know, on my podcast, Two Four Drafts, I've done a ton of, you know, draft evaluation over the past few years, and specifically looking at Michigan, they've turned out, you know, a ton of good players. One of my favorites this past year, Michael Onwenu, coming out, uh, second highest grade offensive player on Michigan this past year, was one of my favorites in this draft. Also, really liked on the other side of the ball, Chase Winovich in the past, um, Reese Hurst, David Long. Uh, I think Michigan football really puts out some talent on both sides of the ball. So I'm excited to talk a little Wolverines today. Well, the funny thing is, is like whatever it seems like it's not just the Michigan fan base tends to be kind of, and it might not be the whole of the fan base, but there, there's certainly negativity because they haven't beaten Ohio state because they haven't gone to the big 10 championship game. But nationally there always seems to be this, this narrative that, Michigan doesn't have as good of players, but yet you saw 10 players from last year's uh, draft class go in the draft. Uh, just in 2016, there were 11. You guys always seem to be really high on Michigan players. So when you look right now at the guys that are still currently on the roster, who who is it that, that you look at and say, that could be another one that go that has that potential to be Another Caesar Ruiz, another. I know he was drafted in the fifth round, but Mo Hurst, you know, a guy that uh, kind of had everyone a buzz. Who, who are those guys when you look at Michigan's roster, considering you guys have really poured through the tape? I mean, the obvious answer there is Quiddy Pay, the edge defender, you know, former Rhode Island native, played running back in high school, but only a three star recruit, largely because he's coming out of. Rhode Island, not a ton of eyeballs get out there to watch high school football. But Quiddy Pay is a rare breed, man. You saw it in the athletics uh, uh, freaks list talking about Quiddy Pay is the number one freak on Bruce Feldman's freaks list because he can run, a, apparently, run a sub 6'4 three cone at 270, 280 pounds, wherever he is. That, if that happens, he will go in the first round. I don't care if he doesn't play another down of college football. If this kid can run even a sub six, three cone, sub six, seven, sub six, seven, three cone. It would blow my mind so much to the point that the ankle flexion, the bend, the quickness, the agility, all that stuff is just too toolsy to give up on the first round. He's produced and he's earned an 80 plus overall grade this past year, 37 total pressures. He and Aiden Hutchinson both had a ton of success rushing off the edge for Michigan this past year. I think Aiden Hutchinson won't be a first rounder, but I think he's a high floor day two pick on this football team. Offensively, there's some people Love Nico Collins. I, I, I'm not as big on Nico Collins as a an NFL prospect. However, I, I do think you know he's a good college football player. But I think all my eyes are on Quiddy Pate, Aiden Hutchinson as two of the better Michigan prospects entering this year. Now you mentioned Quiddy Pate. He was a guy who 
like you said, was was a three star out of Rhode Island when he committed. Didn't get a lot of love from the Michigan fan base. They were kind of like, who is that? There's another player that Pro Football Focus has put out graphics on on the at PFF College uh, Twitter handle, which, by the way, at PFF underscore uh, Austin Gale, if you want to follow Austin on Twitter. Uh, but there was I've seen a few times where we've seen a couple unheralded type guys get called uh, called out or shouted out, rather. Uh Jordan Glasgow, with who is now with the Indianapolis Colts, as being the most surefire tackler in all of football, and or if not all of football, the Big Ten, and Ronnie Bell, the most yards after catch of any Big Ten wide receiver, uh, and he was another both you know one of them was a walk on, and the other one Ronnie Bell, people were flat out angry when he committed, and yes, his numbers are pretty much the same. A save for the touchdowns as Chris Olave, uh, obviously not graded as high as Chris Olave on your site. But what do you see particularly out of Bell, a guy that has that upside, that has uh, has the, that yards after catch, high drop rate, yes, but still has a lot of those things. Yeah, I mean, w- when you're looking at a receiving prospect like Ronnie Bell, six foot, 182 pounds, over 450 yards after the catch, and 14 missed tackles. First thing I'm looking at is average depth of target. How often is this guy getting targeted downfield? How often are we looking at a guy that's being kind of gifted screens or flares or shallow crossers? Because if you're producing that down the field on a downfield route tree, you can start to get excited about a player like Ronnie Bell. However, Ronnie Bell, in a lot of ways, is schemed a ton of production. And Mike and I, my co-host, talk about scheme production all the time, specifically with the receiving position and the tight end position. Looking at Ronnie Bell, 757 yards, more than half of that gained after the catch, and an average depth of target of 11.2 yards, which, you know, is is strong. It's better than, you know, Debo Samuel coming out or some of these other receivers. So I think when you're looking at that, I think you have to be encouraged by what he can do with the ball in his hands. Now he's had a, he's struggled to get the ball into his hands, nine drops this past year, and also only two contested catches on 14 contested targets. That is obviously a concern as well. But I don't care about your drops or your contested catch percentage as much as I care about your ability to make plays with the ball in your hands. And if you're averaging 10.1 yards after the catch per reception and 2.16 yards per route run, even with those drop rate concerns, I think there's a ton of reason to get excited about him. I think you remove those drops, you perform better in contested catch situations. He'd be one of the higher graded receivers in the Big Ten. See that that's kind of goes to show so all the talk of can you know about the five star talent, what Michigan has or hasn't done with it, which I think is a misnomer given you know Jabril Peppers asked to do kind of everything. We still don't know what uh, Chris Hutchinson will uh, not Chris Hutchinson, but Chris Hinton will end up being. Uh, you're seeing development from some of those guys. You are three stars. You don't necessarily see that elsewhere. Now, your site has been long high, and you mentioned two of those names already on some of these Michigan prospects. Mohurst, David Long, they always seem to get – like you had Mohurst as the top overall guy before he got a, had his heart condition uh, discovered at the Combine, which dropped him all the way down to the fifth round. But you had him as the top – overall athlete in all of college football going into the NFL draft. David Long, if I'm not mistaken, was your top corner. Uh, Lavert Hill for a little while was up there, but he didn't end up grading out as well now that I perused the uh, college sites, but he uh, was one of those guys that didn't seem to 
give up a lot in coverage. What is it about some of these guys that you, that I just mentioned that make them so good in your eyes? Well, I, Michigan one plays a ton of uh, press man, press coverage. And I think in PFF system, we highly value winning in one-on-one situations, winning in single coverage situations and getting ball production, forced incompletions, interceptions, affecting targets in your direction. Levert Hill, uh, David Long and, and other corners too in the Michigan system have done a good job of being well-coached players despite not maybe having size concerns or, or not having ideal size or ideal length or ideal athleticism. I think Michigan has gotten away with playing some very, very good cornerbacks that maybe aren't freakish athletes like Jeffrey Akuda, but because they're so well-coached and disciplined. And I think that's why you see a David Long, as good as he was, as productive as he was, slip as far as he did in the NFL draft. I think What's really impressive with Michigan is the coaching really across the board on the defensive side of the ball. Defensive linemen come out of Michigan really polished. De- you know, cornerbacks and safeties come out of Michigan really polished. And I think I don't think the concerns, and if you you know take your attention away from the draft for a little bit here, I don't think the concerns with Michigan and why they haven't been able to beat you know Ohio State as much as they'd wanted to, or whatever, are on the defensive side of the ball or even defensive coaching. I think offensively they've struggled to you know leverage you know, quote-unquote successful quarterbacks or highly coveted recruits like Shea Patterson to find explosive plays in in college football nowadays that needs explosive plays. You need to be able to create plays down the football field. You need to be able to throw down the field in in spread-type offenses and make plays there. Well, I think Michigan fans have reasons to be excited on that front. Uh, The the battle between Joe Milton and Dylan McCaffrey – Again, I'm I'm on the Joe Milton train based off a lot of my conversations. I think that that's uh that's really uh either way, I think that there's going to be a net benefit no matter which guy ends up winning that battle down the road. Now, Austin, before we let you go, tell me a bit about this new college product you put out. I've been absolutely obsessed with it. I subscribed as soon as I saw that it launched. I immediately went and got the annual plan. Uh, I, I took a little bit of a deep dive and, you know, found a lot of little interesting things like Ohio state, the number one defense in the country last year, their worst performance of the year grade wise was against Michigan offense. Wasn't fully clicking, but it was a lot better than you look getting to see the yards after catch, getting to see, uh, the, the drops, all of those types of things, the snap counts. Tell me a bit more about what we can expect when we delve into that new college product that you put out. Yeah. I mean, with PFF's new college football subscriptions, which to dive in a little bit more detail, it's CFB grades plus and CFB premium stats plus running at $30 and $120 per year, but you can get 25% off with promo code CFB 25. It's really the first opportunity that PFF has been able to share all this data we've been collecting in college football uh, at the FBS level since 2014 with, um, you know, standard subscribers. It's been sold exclusively to NFL and NCAA teams for as long as I've been at PFF, for as long as it's been around. So now being able to share that with guys who just love the NFL draft, you know, standard subscribers that just love um, college football and want to be, you know, every single number they can find about their favorite team. I, I, I think that's what it's great. I think other use cases as well. If you play dynasty leagues, this has a ton of information you to identify, you know, big name players if you play college football fantasy. And also, there's there's a betting dashboard in there as well that will have you know against the spread and odds etc on every FBS game played this fall and hopefully we see a lot of them more than maybe we thought a couple months ago but I, I think honestly 
the floor of this thing is it gives you a wealth of information on, you know, one of America's best sports in college football. And in addition to that, if you're an NFL draft fan, a ton of information to allow you to scout and, and look at talent. Well, again, I thank you, Austin. Uh, Austin Gale, the Associate Director of Content at Pro Football Focus. You can follow him at PFF underscore Austin Gale. Uh, again, my, my appreciation for everything that you do and everything that your site does is at the absolute highest level. And if you're a college football junkie, which I know if you're listening to this podcast, I think that's a product that is absolutely worth getting into just as much as any recruiting site. And that's coming from someone who spent four years at 24-7 Sports. So, Austin, I appreciate you coming on. Of course. Thank you. And up next, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the rumor that started and that got quashed just as quickly about Juwan Howard. Uh, Was he heading to the NBA? Is he not? All of that coming up in just a moment. All right, we only have a few moments, but when I I woke up late, super late this morning, just because I was up in the middle of the night, mind racing, when I finally woke up super late, I open up Twitter, and I see the Woj bomb just hit, but I had to, I couldn't go and write it right away, I had to, to get Zuri fed and let her out and all of that kind of stuff, so... It it kind of proliferated by the time that I got around to writing it, but uh, it, it obviously was a little bit of a shock to the system. Jawan Howard gaining traction with NBA front offices. A lot of people, both Jawan Howard and John Beeline, were trending in Detroit because you had people talking. You had some some freaking out. A lot of people just kind of talking about it. And then some say, well, John B- John Beeline could just come back. Ain't gonna happen. And unlike what Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh always waits like a week and then kind of shoots things down. He should do what Juwan did today, which was, I am not entertaining NBA offers. I feel like, and I felt this way about both for a long time, they're lifers at Michigan. If they have good enough records, they it's and you know, it's their choice. It's it's their choice how long they they want to stay and I don't think that there's any other job that's going to lure them. I think that's part of Michigan being your alma mater. And I think it's absolutely foolish that it constantly is like, well, we're going to lure them away. How'd that work for Harbaugh? No, everyone said nationally, give him three years, maybe less, and he's gone. Maybe he's just a one-year rental for Michigan. No, he's entering year six at this point. Juwan Howard, apparently getting the same treatment, but at least smartly said, I am not going anywhere. Let's, Let's not even do this. I think it's crazy to me that that's even a thing. Now, Woj obviously knows what he's talking about, but it's it's one of those things if it, it, again, I know if, if you're a professional league, you feel like we're just going to go get, get this guy from college, that's what we're going to do. But like Jawan, if he really wanted an NBA job, this is something I was talking to Leach about this morning. If he really wanted an NBA job, I mean, he interviewed for a couple jobs last year, uh Cleveland and LA, I believe. 
And if he wanted, like, the NBA job was there waiting. He could have just, if he was like, you know what? I want an NBA head coaching job. I don't think he would have come to Michigan. I don't think he would have been like, well, let's just go do that for a year. That's not how that works when it comes to someone who went to Michigan. Again, the love for Michigan, for people who went to Michigan, tends to be really deep, especially the athletes who played at Michigan. I just went to Michigan, but like, I didn't understand the impact it had until I was living in Los Angeles and it was like, boy, do I miss Ann Arbor. Boy, do I miss Michigan. And it's it's just it's crazy to me that these professional, the NFL, the NBA ranks, that they even speculate at like, all right, how are we gonna get this guy away from Michigan? If they were if they weren't an alum, then whatever. Right? Like if it was Rich Rod and you know, you're the NFL and you come calling, obviously John Beeline not an alum, but for people who actually put on the maize and blue and played and are now coaching. I mean, to me, you might as well not even try, but anyway, that is going to do it for us today. Uh, We will be back again this week. What day? I don't know, but there's stuff coming out. Uh, So we'll definitely obviously also have our mailbag on Thursday. So looking forward to that. Uh, thank you for joining us. As always, thank you to Austin Gale. Again, you can follow him at PFF underscore Austin Gale. That is G-A-Y-L-E. Uh, as how you spell his last name. Good thing this is endings. I can't talk anymore. That'll do it for us. Thanks for listening. Peace.